This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast features Laura Valisakos. It was recorded at High Point Kombucha in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Please take a moment to subscribe to be notified when the most recent episode has been uploaded. Feel free to reach out to High Point Kombucha and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. We are here in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I'm Rich Shane. She's Laura Valisakos, and we're with High Point Kombucha. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. This has been really exciting. Um, our friends at County Seat uh, Distillery, County Seat Spirit, said you need to talk to Laura because she, you know, because they know that Dawn and I. The, the name of the podcast is Fermented Adventure, and kombucha is fermented. Now, this is a little bit of a detour from what we normally do because, as we spoke about, it's not alcoholic, but it is fermented. So, you know, Dawn and I said. We've got to sit down and find out what is kombucha, what's it all about, how's it done. Laura, well, tell us, what is kombucha? So kombucha, very simply, is fermented sweetened tea. All it is is regular black or white or green tea, steeped like you would enjoy a cup of tea. Okay. Uh, Heavily sweetened. There's a lot of sugar that is involved uh, to start the ferment, but all it is is regular cane sugar. And then you use a starter culture of bacteria and yeast, and you uh, use that to um, ferment it for a week or two or however your taste buds will allow you to to do it. And what you're left with is a slightly tangy, slightly sweet, uh, slightly fizzy beverage that's very good for you. It should be considered as a fermented food rather than, you know, a non-alcoholic beer or wine, which some people might start thinking about. Um, But really, it's it's a very tasty version of a fermented food that's really easy to incorporate in your diet. Now, you mentioned something. We talked earlier about there being a starter, and the starter, this is the same starter you've been using since you started High Point Kombucha, yes? Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it's similar to what we talked about, like a sourdough starter or a pizza shop that may be using that same dough and you know getting that same activity through uh, the yeast the yeast growth, right? Exactly. Now, is there yeast involved with kombucha? Yep. It's okay. yeast and bacteria. It's a certain strain of yeast uh, called Zagrosaccharomyces, I believe I'm saying that correctly. Well, you said it right. <laughs> I, I couldn't have said that. <laughs> and there's other yeast involved, and it is an open ferment, so there are wild yeasts involved as well. Um, so it can be, uh, you know, any any number of things. And the way, depending on the way that you ferment it, you know, there's a lot of environmental uh 
control factors that you have to consider, like temperature and, you know, obviously time. But um, yeah, you can have any anywhere from, you know, one strain to multiple strains in there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly the same as a sourdough starter in the sense that you use a little bit each time. And it's the same... It, it's called a mother, basically. So okay. it's, it, it, you use the same little bit every single time and keep it going. And the longer you use that same starter, it does pick up. Like if you move or if you, uh, you know, do different things to it, it will kind of almost have a memory and it will pick up different tastes and your kombucha will taste a little bit different over time. That's fascinating. Yeah. And you mentioned something, wild yeast. So have you, are you able to discern any yeast where your whole production area is? I have never tried. I know that, you know, you can obviously send it to a lab and have it tested. Because um, there, there yeah. I, I, there's thousands of strains of yeast. Oh yeah. And you never know what you might be picking up. This is an old building. Um, there's wood, um, there are materials that are porous where yeast could live. Mm -hmm. So just curious, is there, are, are there any wild strains of yeast here in your production facility that might be incorporated into your kombucha? Oh, I'm sure there is. I mean, there's no doubt, considering that it is an open ferment. If it was a closed ferment, I might be able to kind of argue that there's probably not very much, but it definitely, it definitely comes into play. And that's, and it shouldn't be feared. That should be something that's, no. Wait, you know, like yeah. I said, there's yeast everywhere. Yes. It's, you know, as we live in the world of COVID right now, COVID's everywhere. Still not sure how we get it, but it's somewhere out there where yeast also is and, and grows. I'm driving up to the facility. You've got raspberry bushes mm -hmm. um, growing right next to the road, which is cool. So, I mean, you can literally take one of your kombuchas as you ferment, do something outside. There might be some wild yeast that are, that are I mean, obviously keeping that temperature because you've got to keep it at a, a consistent state, right? Yeah. Now, I mean, you could bring out some wild yeast into that and have a whole different, you know, experience than you would in the controlled environment of your production lab. Absolutely. Yes? Yeah. We talked about starter. Talk about how you started High Point Kombucha. How did all that get started? Oh, boy. Uh, I have to think about, I have to think about the first time I ever tried kombucha, which was nine, ten years ago. Okay. It, was, it was a long time ago. It all was, right. So you were 11. Yeah, I was, I was in my mid twenties. Okay. Uh, and uh, oh boy, it was not a good experience. It was, I, I, it was, I had a real bad time. It, Talk about it. Yeah, what it was, was the experience? <laughs> so if anybody has ever had GT's kombucha, it's very vinegary. It's very fizzy. It's it's a punch in the face. And on top of that, I think it was the green flavor. So there was like green powder in it. Not something I had ever tried before and not some, I, I never tried anything like that before anything vinegary or you know I, I ate like I was invincible when I was in my 20s and so I was like club. this is this is disgusting I don't want anything to do with this and um, why did you so I guess the question I had what was it that did somebody say here try this yeah. Laura okay so <laughs> someone I had a head cold and someone brought it for me and they're like here I hear this is healthy this will make you feel better okay. and so on top of that, too, trying to drink it with a head cold, like it was just because your taste buds are all you know yeah. dull too. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and so, but a few years later, um, I was actually living in Colorado at the time, and I was working in an office in Boulder, and one of my coworkers was really into a local brand uh, called Upstart. So shout out to them. Shout out to they, Upstart. They are the they are the ones that really changed my mind on it. Um, I tried it. It was nothing like that. It was mild. It was a little sweeter. It was not as fizzy, but it was still really tasty and tantalizing. Like it, it had like a champagne quality to it. 
was like, wow, this is, this is really good. I love this. Um, and so I was starting to try other brands. And at the same time, I was kind of going through a lot of changes with my health and my, my diet. Okay. Um, I was starting to develop an autoimmune condition and it was something that was starting to be alarming. And, you know, I started researching about diet and, you know, how that affects our health. Like, oh, what you eat will actually affect you and, um, you know, make you feel different. And, um, so, but, you know, living in Colorado, I was broke. And so I decided to try to make it myself because I was really drinking it a lot. And, um, after it, it took a little bit, um, you know, and that was the first thing I've ever tried to ferment before. And so that was probably like 2014 when okay. I started homebrewing. Um, it took a few months, but after a while it started to come out really good. And I was like, I like this better than anything I can buy in the store. And why is all the stuff in the store so gross? And basically the whole thought was like, people are missing out. People are missing out how good this can be. And they don't, you know, and everything that I was starting to understand about food, it was all kind of tying together. And all I could think about was sharing it. With some with other people, Laura, I love the parallel because you're sharing <laughs> your story, and this is specifically related to kombucha. But it's also the parallel that for some people they try whiskey for the first time, and it's a you know it's a bulk manufacturer, you know it's a bulk distiller, yeah. or you'll try gin, and we all have stories about gin and you know not liking gin. Yeah. And then you start to go to some of the craft distillers or small batch distillers or you go to some of the higher end producers of these quality products. And then you look at it and go, wow, I, why haven't I had this before? Or why didn't I like it before? But the parallel to that is because it's, it's, it's not the craft that you're making. Right. It's not the small batch craft where you're really laser focused on a quality product. Absolutely. You know, it's not just, yeah. hey, we're going to throw a label on this and call it kombucha and throw it out to the masses. What you're doing is you're creating a craft. You're creating a very specific item for you where you can put your name on it and say, this is this is what you should be drinking. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So you talked a little bit about your health situation. Did that improve from the – obviously, I'm, I'm sure it did. But how did it improve for you? So, I mean – I, so when I started my career, I was working in offices that would just stock the fridge with soda. And so, yeah, you know, you're going to drink that every day. And, um, you know, a sugar crash and feeling like crap every day was kind of just part of your day. Um, I started replacing my afternoon soda with a kombucha and no crash. You know, I felt like I had a lot more energy. I felt like I was sleeping better. I felt, you know, and, and it took a little while. It wasn't instant, you know, but I felt like my body was just lighter and I felt, you know, that I was functioning better. Okay. Um, you know, coupled with, you know, cutting out more of the crap. I mean, I was still eating, you know, I was still eating my lunch at a desk, you know, and sometimes that was, you know, McDonald's or whatever else. But, um, you know, I was trying to incorporate more vegetables and fruits and, as I kept making changes, I mean, that was really, they, I felt like it was kind of tying together, which, which it really does. Um, and after a while, you know, I really wasn't missing the high sugar content. I really wasn't missing, um, definitely wasn't missing feeling like that all the time. And, uh, now, you know, flash forward to now I'm, you know, I'm eating other fermented foods because I've brought my palate down from its sugar high to really appreciate how good, you know, sauerkraut tastes and how good kimchi tastes and how good, like even the subtle sweetness in plain yogurt and actually being able to taste those sugars 
And then, you know, just the way your your mind works when you're not completely bogged down by, like, just, I, I shouldn't even call it food, because it's really, there's a lot of stuff out there that's just not food. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it was just having that transformation and, and just seeing that, uh, you know, seeing that change within me, like, I, I just, I couldn't wait to you know, to get it out there. And so how did you start to get it out there? I mean, how did you you go from a home brewer Mm -hmm. to a, now a a brand with labels and your name on them and everything else. So you're in Colorado, Mm -hmm. you're becoming acclimated and understanding what kombucha is and how to make it. And you're really enjoying what you're making. I'm sure you're sharing with friends and they're like, wow, Laura, yeah, <laughs> you need to you need to make this a business, right? Well, it was it was something that you know all I could like I said all I could think about was you know just sharing it with others, but also how to scale up. I mean, that was a real big hurdle of trying to understand like how do I take it from gallon glass jars to something that I can easily bottle and easily share it because uh, it's it is labor intensive. Um, you know, unrelated, uh, you know, my husband and I, we were ready to leave Colorado. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up an hour north of here outside of Wilkes-Barre. And, um, you know, I went to college and never came back, basically, you know, so I never really lived here as an adult. Um, I was able to transfer with my job to Allentown, and that's why we picked it. Um, So moving here, and, you know, and it was kind of just a thought that was, it almost turned into a joke, like, when I, when I make my kombucha brewery, because, I mean, I was, you know, I, I still work full time, okay. um, you know, in a career, I have a geography degree, and so I do data mapping, that's kind of, that was like, you know, I graduated with that, and that's going to be my, my destiny, and, you know, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, um, but we moved here, and I started going to farmer's markets, I started meeting people that are growers, and producers, and makers, and, I couldn't believe the community we have here. We have such a wonderful place of, uh, you know, being inclusive and just everybody's so passionate about what they do. And I really saw more of a need here. Yeah, we we do have um, other kombucha brewers in in the Valley um, that are long established way before I was. But um, I really thought that it was something that, you know, hasn't really reached a lot of people here yet. And we have this great community and it would be you know, a great thing to be a part of. And I think I stood in my kitchen one day and I was like, "Ah, I think I'm just going to do this. And I don't even, I I couldn't even tell you like just how hard I kept my head down just to figure it out. I mean, I was watching YouTube videos. I was on Reddit. I was on, um, you know, just all these different websites of trying to understand equipment and trying to understand like, you know, the business side of it. So how you graduate from just the one gallon glass jars that you talk about Mm -hmm. to that next level setup what do I need to develop a business, the business plan? What are people doing to get it out to the masses? Bottles, packaging, labeling. Yeah. A lot of what you're saying is exactly what a home brewer of beer goes through. Yeah. When they're introducing, ah, oh, man, your friend's saying, well, this is, this is great. You should open up a brewery. Um, and then going from that small home brewer scale to a larger scale with equipment and everything else, it becomes very intense. Yeah. To the idea of how do I get from here to here? It's hard too, and I, you know, a lot of homebrewers that I talk to, they're they're tinkerers in a lot of ways too. They have that kind of mind, and I'd like to think that I do on a creative aspect, but I've never really been a tinkerer as far as making my own equipment or you know really kind of piecing things together. That's just something I can't wrap my head around. And the the hurdle with kombucha was there's really no dedicated equipment for it. Okay. You know, there's no like there's no homebrew society. F- 
you know, quite like there is in the beer scene. There's not, you know, a lot of the equipment is the same and you can adopt it, but without understanding how beer works, you know, when you're reading descriptions of equipment and they're talking about mash and boil times and all this stuff, and it's just like, wait, I don't think I need that. Like, you know, it's just, you try to, you have to break it down. You have to understand that first to break it down and really understand what you needed. And, um, and so I was looking at one one that really really helped me was I believe it's Lionheart Kombucha in Oregon I think okay. they are they have he and I, I would love to reach out to him someday because he really helped me. Well, you just may yeah. have <laughs> listened to the podcast. He uh, he put together this little YouTube video like a long time ago about this is how the kombucha is made. And I was able to, I was like pausing and like starting and stopping this little video to see how his space was set up. And they were using um, tall, like wine fermenters, those like cylinder ones and okay. they're stainless steel. And uh, so that kind of was like, Oh, you can, you can just use those. That's okay. And then he was showing how to, you know, put it in a keg and how to carbonate it. Um, if you were going to force carbonate it, how they bottled it, how they labeled it, all that stuff. And it, brought a lot of confidence to me of like, I can do that. And, uh, so I kind of just started slowly adopting, like this was before I had found the AEDC and before I was in my space, started adopting, um, you know, bigger and bigger sorts of things. Eventually I did buy a stock pot, a stainless steel stock pot and like had it, uh, in my kitchen, <laughs> like brewing in it. And like my husband was helping me like get it down the stairs into the, our basement closet where I had, you know, a nice little homebrew set up and, uh, and then, then, then it got to the point, like, I need to find a space like that. There's, there's nothing left. Like this needs to happen. And I need to start, you know, really growing from, from the place that I'm at right now. You said a couple fascinating things. <laughs> you really did. And, and one was that resonated with me was talking about the idea that there are, there, there, there are resources out there. You just have to find them. You have to be willing to look. You have to, um, you have to disarm maybe some ego or, or maybe some personal, um, I can do this on my own. You have yeah. to disarm that. And we live in a world right now where information is infinite, but you have to know where to look. You came across this one video that I am sure randomly you may have missed it. And had you not seen it, you might have found somebody else's video, but this was the one that impacted you so much to really understand for you, this is going to be a business. I can do this. I have confidence now. They're showing me a way. And part of what that says to me is, for some people, it, just put yourself out there. You never know how you're going to impact somebody else. Because if this gentleman never produced that video, mm -hmm. what would be missing in your life or what would have been the, the, the road you would have gone on? Which is amazing, too, because I think I found him on uh, a kombucha, like, homebrew website. I'd have to find it. But, I mean, like, he was also on there, like, helping people understand. And at the time, he was going through tremendous growth. He was buying bright tanks and things like that. They were moving into a bigger facility. And um, he seemed to have just a real passion for just helping people grasp the concept of starting your own brewery. And that that blew me away because... You know, that obviously it was like insanely helpful for me. Um, but yeah, without those resources, uh, you know, and also because 
you know, I don't have, I don't have a partner in this, in this business, you know, it was just kind of me just trying to figure it out and starting from literally nothing to, you know, trying to figure out how this could be possible. And so, yeah, and th- that was, that was the biggest challenge. And I'm still facing that because with constant growth, you kind of have to keep adapting and keep, you know, improving and, you know, your, your uh, process and your uh, efficiency and, you know, having bigger capacity and it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing you know but you're doing it yeah i'm trying (laughs) so talk about the name high point how did you get to that name (laughs) so high point um i still have never really put together an elevator pitch for the name but honestly the biggest part of the name is that's my hobby is high point hiking um i'm on a website called peak bagger and that's just been really fun you you can uh look at high points all around the country and all around the world, honestly. And uh, you can hike to them, you know, and you you mark it as you, you bag the peak and everything. And um, I really got into benchmark hunting, which is like USGS benchmarks that are a lot of times at the tops of high points, okay. high peaks. It's kind of like geocaching, but you're actually searching for, you know, something that was... So you're an adventurous. I, I try to be in my free time. You really yeah. are, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yet, it ties in. Yeah. Dawn and I are fermented adventure. You're an adventurist. <laughs> so this is great. This is perfect. Yeah. So are there any high points or any peaks that you have not yet scaled? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, I – for having grown up here, and you know, I, I went to Colorado to find the – you know, and so I did – I've done a lot out there. There's still so many. But uh, out here – Is Pike's Peak a high peak? Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and that's an, that's an easy one. You can drive to the top. So. Oh. Yeah. All right. Or there's a little bit of a hike involved. <laughs> Same thing you with- get out of the car in the parking lot <laughs> with 7,000 other people and you say, oh, I climbed to the top. Here I am. Well, and, and Mount Evans is the same way. And yeah, there's, there's it's it's hard though. It's hard when you're in, in East Coaster and you're not acclimated and you start out. The thinner at, air. Start out at 12,000 feet. And okay. Then, yeah. Um, no, but here there's so many in the Catskills and the Adirondacks that I really want to get to. Um, I just, I really just don't. I don't get out enough, and that's that's a that's a whole other story. But um, there's quite a bit around here, you know, and like like uh, Big Oven Knob is is considered a high point, which is on the Appalachian Trail. There's a lot of high points along the trail, and that's kind of that's kind of my next like goal is to hit a couple of those up there because they're it's so close and they're it's beautiful. They're just waiting for you. They are, yeah. So the so, high point name reflects your passion. So that part of that, and then yeah, just the. Um, there, there's a good sentiment about how we feel in the face of nature. You know, we we find it, it's it's a good feeling and it's a good thing for for all of us to feel minuscule in the universe. I feel like you know to to actually like see you know you know from a high top you can see everything out in front of you and you can see how big nature is. And my whole concept is that you know nature knows best. It knows better than we do. There's still so much mystery when it comes to fermented foods and, and the way that the microbes work and, and how they have a, a place in our bodies and in our atmosphere and, and in our environment. And the more you just kind of step back and just admire nature and, you know, just let it let it do what it's going to do and not try to fight it every step of the way is, is going to be better. And so that's kind of, that's, that's really what the name represents is that you know, when you can just admire nature for what it is and feel small in the face of it, we're going to be better off. I love that. <laughs> I do. There's your elevator pitch. You finally got it down. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Now, yeah. I, I, you know, 
you talked about fermentation. You talked about fermented foods. And we're right now still in the midst of, of COVID mm-hmm. and all. And I just saw something on social media about kimchi could help ward off COVID. Um, but it sounds to me like it's more about the immune system, the gut health, and what fermented foods mean to the body mm-hmm. and what they benefit. So talk about some of the fermented foods. Talk about what the benefits is as far as kombucha and, and how the, the benefits of the body benefits of the health. So fermented foods, there's no there's no way to prevent COVID. Like you're and there's no there's no cure for it either, you know, unless we're going to talk about a vaccine and everything. There is a place for modern medicine, of course. Uh, and I really, really try hard to make sure that people understand that kombucha is not going to singularly save your life. You know, it's not going to cure anything. It's not going to do anything. But what it is, fermented foods, if you think about it, it's it's a living food. And our bodies are living. We have, we're covered in bacteria. We're covered in yeast. We're covered in, in bugs inside and out. And our modern diets are sustaining the bad bacteria, if that's what you want to call it. If you want to talk about, like, uh, yeast or bad yeast. No, when you talk about sugars yeah. and, and all those microbes that you talked about, they're gonna, the, the good ones are going to feed off of good Mm-hmm. in our bodies. Mm-hmm. The bad ones are going to feed off bad in our bodies, right? right. And, and what fermented foods do, you know, depending on how they're fermented, and there's lots of different ways. I mean, like yogurt is, you know, a dairy. Uh, you actually use the, the bacteria and the enzymes in the dairy to to you give them an environment where they can flourish and digest the food uh, partially. And so when you eat it, you can digest it easier and the nutrients in the food are more bioavailable. And so that's you have you get so much more nutrition for for less effort and that's good and you're also supporting the good the good flora in your gut um same thing with you know sauerkraut sauerkraut has uh you know cabbage has its own bacteria and so if you give it a brine and you know give it an environment where the bacteria can flourish and work on the on the cabbage itself you know if you eat that you know you know what sauerkraut tastes like it's it's tangy it's 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 almost it almost makes you salivate because mm-hmm. it Basically, it's the, the senses are allowing your body to start di- digesting, and that's what you want. Um, and so, when you eat something like sauerkraut, your body is readily it's it's readily digestible. It's it's easy to extract the nutrients, and um, you're you're better off for it. The other part of that with immunity, your immune system can't function if it's bogged down all the time. You know, if you're eating things that aren't readily digestible, if you're not um, really taking care of your, your gut flora. If you're not, uh, if you're not sleeping well, if you're not, you know, obviously like if you're drinking soda all the time or a lot of sugar, you're probably not sleeping as well as you could. There's so many factors that go into, you know, breaking down your immune system that doesn't, you know, allow it to be as functioning as it can be. Um, something like kombucha, it's another fermented food that's just easier to, you know, incorporate in your diet. It's it's super versatile. You can drink it any time of the day, and there's a lot of different flavors and tastes. And so, when uh, you know, when people don't have maybe the the palate for sauerkraut or kimchi or you know pickles or something that's like super vinegary, kombucha can be kind of a gateway and kind of help you. You know, kind introducing of you, yeah. a fermented product into your diet, into yeah. your overall healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how the COVID-19 virus, you know, coronavirus has impacted you and your business. So 
I, in the beginning, I really tried not to be opportunistic, to be honest. I really didn't want to start making claims about, hey, like, oh, you're, you're afraid about your immune system. You should really, really, you know, give this product a try. Um, I kind of backed off a little bit, and I really didn't think that... I, I figured things were going to be slow. I figured people were going to go to Costco and hoard what they could and not come out for a couple months. Uh, but that was not the case at all. It was completely the opposite. People flocked to farmer's markets. We were busier than we had ever So been. right away, people had this mindset, which is really interesting, that they wanted to adapt to a different lifestyle right away. I think so. Okay. I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's a mixed bag out there, of, of, but I think that, you know, f- uh, finding themselves at farmer's markets was better than being in a, in a crowded grocery store or waiting in a line or something like that. And so that did help. But then um, I think people really do understand that fermented foods will boost your immunity just because it's it's allowing the body to to process things efficiently and it's it's not you know it it's hard to it's hard to put it into words but basically it's it's a good thing for you and it's it's allowing your body to rest and reset rather than have to work overtime to digest and worry about sugar spikes and all that um and so like i said i really tried hard to not <laughs> to not push people towards it because people are going to make their own decisions. Right. Um, but, but I think you had was... the ability to champion the kombucha industry the, yeah. the and, and help people understand. And that's part of what we're doing today yeah. is educating people about the value of the fermented food, the value of what kombucha can bring. I think that's a role that you play to say, look, please understand, asterisk, mm-hmm. this is not going to prevent – this is not going to be the end-all and be-all, but if you start to think about changing your lifestyle, changing your habits, changing what you're putting into your body, and really working on and being conscious of how you how you maintain and protect your immune system, that's your conversation, isn't it? It is. And when when people approach me and ask me questions about can it can it fix this or can it fix that, believe me, I get I get a lot, you know, of like, you know, my son has this or I'm feeling like this, will this help me? And I have to go, you know, maybe, you know, it, it depends on your entire other, like, par- other parts of your lifestyle. You know, if you're, if you're not sleeping a lot or if you're, you know, still going to eat fast food and chug a bottle of this, like, once every couple months, it's not going to do you any good. I really try to encourage people to understand it as almost more like a tonic, just that a little bit every day or every other day is going to be way more beneficial than just trying it once or twice. Now, kombucha is always a, a very uh, smart choice. You know, if you're going to reach for a soda instead or, you know, something else, it's a really good snack or it's a really good, um, you know, beverage besides something that's like super sugary or whatever. Um, but to really get the benefit, it's something that is, should be It's habitual. like anything else. Mm-hmm. You're not going to run a marathon no. in one day if you've no. never run. Right. And if you go out and run that mile and then just decide I'm not going to run anymore. There's no benefit at the end of the day. And that's, and you've, that, you've got yeah. to be consistent and you've got to make it a habit or ritual lifestyle. And that's what you're talking about incorporating. So I'm, I'm thinking we are fermented adventure. We do like our distilled spirits. We like our beverages. If, is there anything that I can say that you can say to me, Hey, you know, this also can help the liver function and the process of those alcohol. Does this help? You're kind of like, yeah, maybe, I don't know, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can, it's, like I said, it all depends. A lot of people that come up and ask me about it, I don't know anything about their life. Okay. You know, and they, and I do have customers that, that all they do is mix it with vodka, you know, or whatever else. Now that's we're kind talking. Of like, okay. That's their, that's their cocktail. <laughs> 
Um, and so, you know, if they're going to pick that over, you know, one of those green buckets of margarita mix, then awesome. You know, because you are still getting your, your, your probiotics. You are still getting your, your digestive enzymes. And you, you are getting a nice little fermented punch, like, you know, instead of whatever else is out there. Um, but, you know, it, it's... You don't want to you don't want to make a claim <laughs> right. and and then have somebody say oh this did nothing for me oh, and, and yeah. after after seventeen years of drinking of you know all this out you know it's not going to help. Why don't you do this? So take us through. We're going to try some of these. Okay. And take us through. You know, talk about the flavor profile. Talk about what you create and and just. Just so you know, I've never had kombucha before. This is my really? Dawn and I have never had. This is one of the reasons why we we're excited oh, about. Wow. Like this is our detour on the fermented adventure. So this is our first experience. This okay, is, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will say, like this is um, when people and like I said, my first experience was terrible. Um, and a lot of people have that same experience because they they try something from the store. Um, it's probably a good thing to start here. Good. So instead of... We'll start on the high point, and everything else is just nothing. Awesome. <laughs> we can do that. So this is exciting. We're going we're gonna to try kombucha for the first time, but what is the first one? I see an array of flavors and colors, and the, the colors are just beautiful. They really are. Yeah. Um, um, the, the ruby red and, and the, the, the light pinks and the oranges. This is... Uh, I'm almost like I don't want this. This is my first experience. I want to go slow. <laughs> and that's and that's the way you should, because uh, that is that is something that is possible. I, I really try to caution people: if you're not into fermented foods, you could have a healing crisis of some sort. People find themselves maybe quickly in the bathroom or not feeling so well, and if your gut balance is super off um, and you have kombucha or or any other fermented food at a high dose for the first time i read once like it's kind of like all these new bacteria came in and, and busted up a party and then the balloon pops and okay then, you know and, but that's really what it is I'm, like. I'm really glad you said that because i think that's important as we you know we're, we're going through the education process here with you and people are again being introduced to this some people also may not have had kombucha mm-hmm. so we're all being introduced to this the, the, the same way i it's, it's also a, it's a habit for me to you know drink this the same way I would a you know go through the same process as I would a distilled spirit or or yeah. a beer where I want to smell it first um, and you do get the yeastiness on the nose yeah and it's uh has it does have a vinegar yep. sort of sort of smell to it um, and you do have like little floaties in there because it, it is it is a live food and it is um, I don't filter anything out and I don't um, bottle it cold. I actually let it bottle condition to use its own carbonation. I don't force carbonate. Um, so you can see the little bubbles there. And so they're, they're going to be a lot easier on your stomach because they're super, super tiny. And you don't need a ton of fizz. Like, it doesn't need to be like a soda. It, it's nice on its own. At least that's my opinion. And, and you also, it, it almost, I'll tell you what, if, if you handed this to me and didn't tell me what this was, I, I would almost be like, this, this, it's, it's, is this a wine? Is it a sparkling wine? Yeah. That's what I get on the nose. Yeah, like kind of like a – and this is – so this is the peach flavor. Okay. This is kind of like my OG flavor because uh, 
when I was when I was home brewing, you know, I was trying so many different methods of, of flavoring, and I really, really liked the peach. And side note too, like everything that I use is a whole fruit or herb. Um, and if it if it if I can get it local, I do. Um, so these are whole peaches. Yeah, you showed us your your whole yeah. setup. You've got yeah. bags of peaches oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and and lemons. I mean, this is all natural. So mm-hmm. you're not buying bulk. Um, juices or bulk fruits, you know, uh, concentrated and all those things. This is, if you can't get peaches, you're not making peach kombucha. Right? Yeah. And so I, you know, over the, over the last like year and a half of, of talking to customers and, and people understanding like just the seasonality of food and, oh, peach, peaches aren't in season yet. Like I didn't, I didn't have this for a while and people are like, oh, I really want it. It's like, well, there's no peaches right now. I'm not going to go to Whole Foods and buy peaches. I want to get it locally. And so these were grown in Kutztown. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a whole other sidebar of why local food is important and, you know, better nutrition and everything else too. Um, so, but yeah, th- so this was, this was like the first flavor I really stuck with and wanted to keep doing. And it's simple, you know, it's just, you just throw peaches in some white tea kombucha and uh, let the, let the bacteria and the yeast do their thing. And, um, after a couple of days, you just strain out the peaches and what you're left with. What do you do with leftover? What do you do with the peaches? Where uh, do they go? They, yeah, they get thrown out. Okay. Unfortunately. So yeah. uh, like a farmer wouldn't be able to use it to, for, for his, Maybe. his animals? If I, if I had, um, and that's, and that's another relationship that I'm hoping to make someday. Cause if I had land and if I had somewhere where I could produce that, um, you know, I actually had active compost and everything too, like, that would be ideal. Uh, for right now, in this production facility, they kind of just have to just go away. Go away. <laughs> I, I, my mouth is watering. I need to try this. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. This is delicious. Oh, thank you. This is. I, I do like the vinegary. You get a little bit of vinegary flavor. You do get a little bit of the carbonation. Um, but there's such a nice essence of peach, and 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 you also do get for me a little bit of a yeast flavor to that mm-hmm. so uh, the, the whole way it kind of layers in but you're left with um this almost this dryness or this peachy essence i love that the peach is kind of like a yeah kind of like a it's a little drier and depending on the peaches like the peaches i just got um are yellow peaches and so this is going to change again like this is going to have a little bit of a different color to it when i use those the flavor is going to be a little you know, sweeter, I guess, if you want to, because these are white peaches. Okay. Um, and so that that's kind of fun too, because you 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 can change it depending on you know what you have at the time, and I think that that's awesome. Like, so your customers are going to know it's always going to be good. It's always going to be a quality level that you want it to be, but the flavor profile could change from batch to batch, bottle to bottle. Yeah, and and that's that's the other thing why. Uh, why store-bought sucks so much sometimes because uh, kombucha in You need to make nature, a t-shirt that says store-bought, <laughs> store-bought sucks so much. Because, I mean, the kombucha by nature is in, it, it's not consistent. It all depends on what's going on in your environment. And most, most big facilities are, you know, completely climate-controlled and they have a lot of, uh, you know, things that, that make, make sure that you do have a consistent product. And that's the downfall of, you know, bigger companies like GTs or, you know, like, I mean, Kavita, you know, for instance, I love to hate on Kavita because it's made by Pepsi. And 
you know, however they want to talk about being real kombucha. Um, and, like, GTs, for example, like, they, they brought kombucha to this country. So like, you have to give... Look, they, you, you, give, you give these companies credit. It's like saying Angry Orchard to the cider industry. Yeah. Because... That was the gateway for a lot of people to say, wow, well, I didn't know, I've never had hard cider before. And then their experiences, uh, and then you, again, it's not that over the top wonderful experience like we're having now, but, but it serves a purpose. Yeah. You know, Bartles and James serves a purpose. Everything brings, you know, you get a following, you get a customer base, it's all good. But like you said, if they had not, if GTs had not done that, yeah. it might not have been enough of a gateway. To bring more people into kombucha, like yourself, to say, mm-hmm. I can make this. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Yeah. Well, if you had to introduce me to one thing, the first thing, that was delicious. I've got my <laughs> eye on the next one. Um, yeah, the, the yeah. turmeric. Yeah. Now, now you're also bringing in things like turmeric. So yeah. it's going to have anti-inflammatory <clears throat> properties. Yes? Yeah. I mean, I would hope so. I would, you know, I still, I'm still learning quite a bit, um, you know, as far as the nutrition that is available after the fruit is submerged and, and immersed in, in the kombucha. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, especially cause I'm using whole turmeric, I'm not using powdered turmeric. I'm not using, um, any sort of like, you know, syrup or anything like that to, to make it just taste like that. I'm using whole turmeric that you just chop up and, and put in there. So it's just like any other flavor immersion. And I would hope that, you know, you're getting the benefits from it. So I guess um, my question to you is, where we're talking about like different teas. Mm-hmm. How do you choose white tea, black tea, green tea? How do you know which one to use with the different variations that you're making? So that all just comes from, you know, just understanding like black tea and white tea kombucha are going to taste different. Um, a lot of companies will just use the same tea for everything. Um, but I think there is a little bit of a dynamic thing. And so, the white tea comes out a lot more delicate. It comes out uh, a lot lighter, and it does have different notes to it. The black tea will be a little bit more, uh, I guess, robust is a good word for it. It has just, it's more kombucha-y. Like, okay. I, I don't really know how to, I don't really know how to, I'm not good at describing flavors. But, um, so the white tea, I really try to use, like, lighter fruit flavors. I try to use, like, the berries and um, the peaches, uh, the, the blueberry lavender, um, and so, like, the lighter flavors, the, the black tea I use for more from, like, my winter flavors. So, like, the apple cinnamon uses black tea. Um, the, I, I don't have that right that now. I not the table. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, and the orange turmeric uses black tea. Um, the spicy flavors that I do, I use black tea because I think that lends itself better. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, and then if you started using green tea, you know, green tea, how different that tastes from white tea and black tea. I don't use any green tea right now, but you could start doing more herbal infusions with green tea probably. And and maybe even ginger, if you wanted that sort of flavor profile, there's, there's a lot of, there are a lot of things that lend. This is really a blank canvas for you. Yeah. And, and it's really, as you said, this is what you enjoy drinking. Mm -hmm. So it's got to resonate with you, but there's so many things now that you've established yourself that you can really go in different different places. It's almost overwhelming. I can yeah. imagine so. Because, <laughs> like, there's so, and there's so many people that have so many great ideas, too. They'll come up and be like, oh, you know, I really love cherries. Or, oh, like, I, you know, I, I was uh, blanching carrots yesterday because someone just, you know, sold me a 10-pound bag of ugly carrots. And it's like, okay, well, then there's going to be a carrot flavor. Um, but it's, 
Yeah, it's so endless. There's so many different things you can do. And I feel like a lot of times I'm not even scratching the surface. I'm playing it safe a lot because I'm making flavors that I like that people have, you know, tried and tested and I can get most of the stuff locally. There's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how many possibilities there are. (laughs) One at a time. Mm -hmm. You'll get there. That's exactly it. You know. So like the orange turmeric, um, that started out as just plain orange. My dad loves oranges and he goes to Florida every year to golf with his buddies and he always brings back oranges. And he was kind of like, you, you really should make an orange flavor. So I did last year and like nobody, nobody wanted it. Okay. <laughs> it was kind of a very, it was a very unpopular flavor. Um, but dad loved it. But dad loved it. <laughs> and I told him I'm not going to do it anymore. And he was, he was a little, he was a little upset, but then, you know, talking, I always wanted to do a turmeric flavor and just playing with the balance a little bit. I turned the orange to orange turmeric and now it's, it's one of the more popular ones. I, I think that on the nose, it's, it's got this nice orangey effervescent earthy because the turmeric brings the earthiness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you drink this and it's almost like you're drinking a mimosa. I mean, I, I'm going to start bringing all that stuff back in, Yeah. but this is your healthy mimosa. Now you yeah. could put champagne in here. You can. <laughs> um, and I'm sure Prosecco and I'm sure people have. Oh, I'm sure. And I hope they have because it's fun. Like it's, uh, I do have people that mix it with seltzer too, like anything to get it a little fizzier, but yeah, I mean, this is why this is such a good alcohol substitute too. Like that, that's been a personal thing for me as well. I really had to cut back on my alcohol intake. I, you know, loved everything on, on the face of the earth as far as beer and wine and champagne, of course. And, uh, really having to dial that back. This is so much fun to drink socially, uh, more so than drinking a glass of water. Um, and you're, you're getting your, your benefits from it too. And so it, it's a really good, it stimulates the, the psychology of alcohol because it's fizzy. It has You flavor. know what? I'm thinking that's, that's, you honed in on, <laughs> you really, if you didn't tell me this was not alcoholic, I mean, just even the flavor profiles, the yeastiness of it, the, the, the effervescence of it, I could, I could, you know, I'm not getting the same feel as I would in alcohol. Right. But mentally it's, it's all, has all the, all the flavors there that I would expect. Yeah, it's a fun thing, and obviously you're not getting a buzz from it or anything like that, but um, because there is a little bit of sugar, there is a little bit of caffeine, it can be an energy boost, especially, you know, if you're drinking it on an empty stomach, um, which I am right now, <laughs> so I actually do feel a tiny little bit of a buzz from it, just okay. because it does have, it does have uh, properties that will, will boost good mood and, and energy, so that's not a bad thing for sure. I, I don't know why, and maybe... Just for some reason, I, I, I there's like I still taste ginger even though it's not there. Yeah, I don't know why my mind is saying like I, I taste ginger and I know it's not there. Right, that's interesting. The turmeric, um, the kombucha does an amazing thing to the fruit. After homebrewing for so long and trying, I mean, so many different things to try to flavor it, and I mean like just super in labor intensive stuff like trying to juice everything and trying to strain different things and make simple syrups and everything. The easiest and the most delicious way to do it was just using whole fruit. Just throw it in, let it sit in there, and let it actually ferment itself. It's very different than if you just, um, you know, added a, a juice at the top and then, you know, just kind of drank it. It lets the flavor really kind of meld together. And so you're going to bring out notes in that turmeric that's going to, you know, turmeric and ginger are somewhat similar. They're going to have that earthiness to it, and you're going to taste that. And you might, it might be more one note if you didn't let it 
ferment in there with it. So, yeah. It's- no, that makes sense. I mean, you mentioned, we talked about Bob, Bob Piano in, of Gallus Hill Spirit. Mm-hmm. One of the things he, he taught me or helped me understand is you may have something that you taste, but it's not in there. But because these two things come together that are there, that's where it creates that flavor note and flavor profile that, all right, there's no ginger in there. But because everything in the way it comes together, there is some sort of ginger note to it. Yeah. I mean, like, think about the world of coffee or wine or, you know, anything else that have, like, just lists of just tastes and, and, and notes. And um, it, it really, it, it's maybe not on that same level, but there really is, um, there really is a lot of nuance to it. And if you have a palate where you can kind of, you know, pay attention to those things, it really is a pleasant experience. Um you know, depending on it. Now, again, with store-bought, you might not get anything that has whole fruit in it. They're going to use a lot of extracts and syrups and, um, you know, stuff that's like, you know, actually manufactured to be consistent. Um, so that's, that's the beauty of I love that that's not, I love that that's not necessarily a concern that needs to be for you. It does, you yeah. don't, I mean, people are understanding what you create and it's still going to have, if it says, you know, turmeric or lemonade or habanero or whatever it is, it's still going to have those basic components, but it's not going to be, you may have, this may be different from yesterday. It's just, you know, if, if you get, if you get a, if you're drinking bourbon, bourbon's going to be different from barrel to barrel to barrel. Mm-hmm. So you may get different flavor profiles because of how the, the juice interacts with the, the oak barrel. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. Yeah, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. You're the blender. You're the one that decides how this is going to come out at the end of the day and what you put in the bottle. I do have the freedom to to tweak things too if they need to be. Don't get me wrong though. Like I do, um, I do everything by weight. And so I try to, I do try to keep it as consistent as possible. I do have recipes and for the most part, they're not going to be super skewed one way or the other from bottle to bottle. I really try to keep it the same, but like even so much as like how much I crush the fruit at the end, like this color can go from this to this okay? because, um, you know, the, if I didn't crush the blueberries enough, you're not going to get as much of that pigment out. And so it's going to look a little different and it might not taste as sweet. Um, but I really don't worry about that too much because it's, it's still, it's still exactly the same. It just might have, you know, it might just be slightly off. And so a bigger company might be worried about that. The other thing too, is that bigger companies, they have to manipulate it to make it shelf stable. They have to make it. Uh, they have to make sure that they stay within regulations, which is also a big one because it's deemed a non-alcoholic product. The alcohol content cannot rise, um, and so they have to do things like pasteurize it um, or you know use different ingredients that are may- maybe not as helpful just to make sure that not only is it consistent, but it's not going to get pulled off the shelves and tested, and they're going to get in trouble. Um, so. I'm pretty confident that, you know, my alcohol content stays exactly the same, you know, under the, under the safe level. But so what's, what, you just said something to me, the, the key to, what is the alcohol, I mean, is there, is it, is it 10% alcohol, 5%, 2%, oh, 1%, 0%? Half a percent is, is the line that okay. you were not to cross. The last time I got mine tested, it was at like point three eight or something all right like that. I'm, I'm you just made my day we are actually drinking alcohol today so <laughs> this is good good i like it and you know and so that that is a that is a, a teaching tool as well as far as how because fermentation you are creating alcohol you are yeah but the the way that this works is that yeast produce the alcohol from the sh- 
from the sugars, but the bacteria then come in later. They take away and, the alcohol. Yep, and they turn that into the, the enzymes and acetic acid. So that's what uh, that's why you have a non-alcoholic product. Um, there are alcohol kombuchas, I'm sure, as you may know. No, um, <laughs> but we'll have to find them. <laughs> they they do exist, and they they are tasty. Okay. Um, they're usually they're usually around four percent. I had one out of California that was like at six percent, which was delicious. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's that involves. But if you were to do that, that changes your whole. I mean, now you have yeah. to do you're you're dealing with. Then you're an alcoholic product. Yeah. And then you and that's a whole different thing that I'm I'm not really interested. Yeah, that's in. not what you're interested. Yeah, in. but uh, yeah, it's it's all about manipulating the yeast and. Um, really kind of nurturing them and uh, things that I honestly don't understand at this point. So, okay. so pick one. <laughs> okay. Pick one for us that we can finish up with. Okay. Um, do you like spicy? Of course. Yeah. I think that's... Dawn is spicy. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd pick that one. Yeah, definitely. So which is the one you're pouring for us now? So this is the mango habanero. Mango habanero. This one is... If I really had to pick a consistent favorite, I really think that this is the one. Um, sorry, I gave you the little blob in there. So. What? I don't know what a blob is, but that's fine. I'll take the blob. That is a, so that's a pellicle. Um, so that is a result of the, of the kombucha being bottle conditioned and not force carbonated because it's still a living product. Your bacteria and yeast are still active. And so the bacteria is going to try to cut off the oxygen in the top of the bottle. Okay. Um, that's where that little blob comes from. And uh, it's going to keep a consistent environment for the yeast to continue to produce food for the bacteria. So it's kind of like a manipulation in a way, like in the in the. But you, but you say, it's, I mean, you've said it a few times. This is a living, breathing food. Yeah, don't fear it. No, but I'm, I'm saying that. But that's what happens. Yes. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a fascinating part of the world that we just now are being introduced to. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Like there's a little ecosystem in there, and uh, it's kind of fun to witness. And some people have an adversity to it. And I totally understand, but I I have no interest in trying to remove it. Who got it? Me or you? You did. I did good. Okay, I get it. <laughs> All right, I'm having it. Delicious. Oh, good, good. Yeah, that is delicious. <laughs> Has a kick. It does, I, but the habanero just sits on the back mm-hmm. palate. It, it's just yeah. a nice compliment. It warms up the mouth. Yeah, and it won't build from there. It'll stay at that level. Mm-hmm. What is, I mean, I know you said, all right, we're not getting into alcoholic beverages, but what is what is the big picture What for, for, for High Point Kombucha? What, what's the future look like for you? Well, um... You know, you, you saw my production space. It's yep. it's tiny. Uh, that's I don't get me wrong. I love being in here. It's, this is a great, great. space. It I mean, really you've is. got you've got county seat here. You've got hijinks brewery. You've got um, colony you, meter. Colony meter. Yeah. You now have a kosher winery. I yes. believe. Yes, that's Kevin over in Bina. Um, I mean, there's so much collaboration. There's so much, and I'm sure that they've all come to you and you've come to them and you've talked about different ways to incorporate flavors and, and they're there to help, right? They have been extremely helpful. They've been insanely welcoming. Um, it's it's tough being a new person, you know, in, in the How long sometimes. have you been here? I signed my lease last January. So, so this is a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I officially got licensed last April, so it's just about over a year that I've actually been in production and actually, um, you know, on the market. Um, from here, it's 
it's kind of hard to envision because it's like I've, I'm almost not even sat down to think about how far everything has come. Like, it's almost just kind of like I haven't had time to process it all. Um, time will tell because, you know, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I, I feel like my philosophy is where it's at and I really want to keep it that way. I want to stay at a level where I'm able to keep doing what I'm doing, like supporting local farmers and buying produce from them as much as I can. I actually want to get better at that. Um, there's things that I could buy locally that I just don't have the partnership with somebody yet. Um, and so that's, that's coming. Um, I would really, really like to have an establishment where people can actually come and either shop or taste or, you know, have just like a tiny little bar or, you know, just be able to... Like talk. a little tasting room. I would love to be able to do kombucha flights. That's, that, that would be like, that would make my, that would make my dream come true for sure. Um, now, now, all right. So that, that dovetails the idea. Well, how do people buy your product? I mean, you're just not making this for friends, family, and because you enjoy it. No. I, there's a ton of bottles back there. Somebody's <laughs> got to be buying it, right? <laughs> so mainly, my main gig is farmer's markets. Okay. Um, that's a... So I do uh, the Saucon Valley Market on Sundays. I do Trexler Town Farmer's Market uh, the first and third Saturdays. And then I'm also up in my hometown in Dallas, Pennsylvania, uh, the second and fourth Saturdays. Those are my main markets. Um, I do the Trexler Town Winter Market over the winter. And then I do have some storefronts. So I do have... um, the Radish Republic in downtown Allentown. Um, Kurt Hijinks carries it when he's open. Um, there's a couple other stores uh, within the Greater Lehigh Valley that are listed on my website. So that's kind of the that's kind of the main focus right now. It's trying to get into more places and just kind of get my name out there. Um, but the farmers markets are really the, the main place. It's awesome. I'm, I'm there at every single one. I, so you're yeah. producing. You're buying. You're selling. You're marketing. You are. Every single day, you're doing it all. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I guess my question is because your whole face lit up when you talk about doing kombucha flights. What's the opportunity to be able to sell out of here or set up your own area for tasting and being open to the public like you know, like Colony is and hijinks and, and County Seat? How do you make that happen? That would have to be – I'd have to find the opportunity for a bigger space in here. Okay. Um, so that's that's definitely a hurdle. Uh, I don't think I could really do what I'm, you know, what I'm doing in there, and also have you know a the production area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because that is the production area, and that's that's getting tight. That's getting to the point where um, you know there's not a lot of wiggle room in there anymore. And I don't necessarily want a lot of people coming to that anyway. I mean, like I would love to give tours and be able to show people how it's made and everything like that. But for right now, it's just not an ideal space for it. Um, and then yeah, I mean like. Next year, I kind of have the idea, like, next year is probably when I'm going to start having to hire staff um, of some sort, at least a helper of, of, of something, because it, it gets it gets rough, you know, especially just doing things by yourself, like, you know. You'd like to have somebody to yeah. talk to, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I listen, I listen to earbuds all day, so it's, it, it's I, I jam out by myself, it's fun, but, okay. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's so many different ways that it can go depending on the space, and I'm sure you've talked to other people uh, in this kind of industry that it's tough to find space. Um, we're, we're deemed manufacturing, we have to be in a manufactured zone within the city, and uh, it was a blessing just to find this space and have it work out the way that it did because it was very close to not even happening at all. Um, it's, it's tough because for, especially starting from nothing, you know, I don't have, you know, I couldn't go into a, a space the size of hijinks because 
you know, what am I? <laughs> There's a lot right. of echo room in but there. But you start, but, but that's yeah. where you start, and mm-hmm. you build up to it. Mm-hmm. And so that next, that's the next evolution of what High Point Kombucha is for you. Mm-hmm. My question is, are you able to ship this? No, not not at the moment. I schlep everything myself. So okay, everything you're goes a schlepper. In, go, it goes in my sedan car, which <laughs> uh, somehow I play Tetris in there, and everything goes in there, and um, everything everything gets delivered by me or provided by me. Um, that's also a next step, a next thought of how how this can start start getting out there. But hopefully that's a little further down the line when I have someone helping me. <laughs> okay, you can have somebody doing deliveries and getting out yeah. to a wider space and helping you just with production and all the things that can do that. Of everything we talked about today, Laura, is there anything that we missed, anything you want to talk about and mention that people should know about? Oh, gosh. I think... I think the biggest thing is, like, I know I hate it a lot on store-bought kombucha. It is a real good thing to have. Um, I think as long as, you know, in some way that, you know, people try to understand it for what it is, and, and it's it's here to be helpful and not not a trend. Um, kombucha is super trendy, and it's something that um, can maybe seem almost elitist in a way, maybe, like, depending on, you know, the price or, you know, whatever for a craft product. Um, but but really, it is a craft product. That's the same thing you have to understand. You can get, you know, you, you can get a, you know, a case of beer for five dollars, mm-hmm. but that's not craft beer, right? It's, it's this you're paying for the quality. You're paying for the fact that you're buying the fruits. You're you're fermenting everything. You're controlling all the steps of the way, as if you were a painter, as if you were a woodworker, as if you were making pottery. But this is what you make. Mm-hmm. There's a value to that. Yeah, and I want people to know that um, you know I'm, I'm producing t- this to be as approachable and as healthful as possible. I know kombucha can be a weird thing. It can be really scary. And if you're going to try it, I really hope that you have an open mind because it might not be something that you've ever tried before. But it will do really good things for you. And if you know it's something that you enjoy then there's i mean we had we also have a lot of other breweries um, or brewers in the in the Lehigh Valley that are doing amazing things and you know check us all out because we're here for you and we're here to create a helpful product um, and we're all very passionate about it and I, I i don't know i just i just hope that people come out and try it and enjoy it um, well what the future may hold for you is that you will be one of those kombuchas on the shelf in a store that somebody that can get introduced to that's not going to be that, quote, you know, volume manufactured kombucha. Right. But again, a craft, a craft quality product that people then can understand really what this is all about for you. Yeah. Anything that's produced here in the Lehigh Valley, I know personally, it's it's a craft product that's, that's brewed with intention and, and brewed with, you know, with love. I mean, we want to just make something that's that's actually beneficial and not just part of a trend. How do people find you? You have a website? Yep. Highpointkombucha.com. Highpointkombucha.com. And you're on the Instagram? I'm on the Instagram. I'm on the Facebook. Uh, I'm available all the time. Reach out to me. Talk to me. Ask me any questions that you possibly could have because I'm, I'm happy to walk you through the world of kombucha and, and to, try to, uh, to try to make you understand it better and, you know, just anything. I'm, I'm open for anything. Well, for Dawn and I... This is part of, again, this is part of our fermented adventure. We never know where it's going to take us, where it's going to lead. But I am so grateful that we have had an opportunity to sit down and speak to you, that this is our first foray into kombucha. Yeah, I can believe that. That's awesome. (laughs) And that 
you know, we really, we really, you know, the experience has been great for us. You're delightful. You're awesome. I, I love your passion about this. Um, I love the way you have this mindset about really, as you said, you're building this with love, but you're building this with your mindset to say, it's got to be right. It's got to be quality or it's not going out. And I only see great things for you in High Point. And uh, your husband must be really proud. He is. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. He's been super supportive even when things looked a little murky for a little while. But he's been nothing but very happy for me and just pushing me to do my best. And, yeah, I'm grateful for all the support from all my customers, from all my friends. Everything, everything that's brought me to this point has been truly a blessing. Well, we look forward to hearing more great things from you and High Point. And we'll be there for the tasting room opening. Sounds good. <laughs> you will be on the guest list for sure. Thank Fabulous. you. Fabulous. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Really appreciate your time. Yep. Appreciate you. All Thank right. you. Bye.